0: Life Audio.
1: Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. On today's episode, we want to talk about what makes Jesus so unique. What makes Jesus so unique? And after a word from our sponsors, we'll get started on the topic today. As we continue our series on how to give away your faith, today we just want to talk about the uniqueness of Jesus. So, as we are giving away our faith, as we are sharing the gospel, uh, we must know who we are talking about. People must know the truth in regards to who the Savior is, what the Bible says about his nature, what the Bible says about his function, what the Bible says about his position. We must know who Jesus is, if we're going to talk about him, if we're going to tell others about the gospel, we must know who he is. And we know that Jesus is unique. He's very unique. So as we uh, try to share the message of evangelism, we want to use the acronym student, S-T-U-D-E-N-T, student. And the first letter or first word rather was studious. So the first letter, the S, stands for studious. As a believer, we have to be studious. We have to study. We have to study to show ourselves or prove unto God a workman who need not bless with embarrassment, who is able to rightly divide the word of God or the word of truth. Truth is the second letter, uh, second word. The second letter is T in the acronym student. Truth is telling something like it is, or that which correspond to its object. Truth is telling something like it is, or that which correspond to its object. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth and the life in John 14 and six. And we know that God is truth. So when we talk about uh, what truth is all about, the embodiment of truth is Jesus Christ. He is the embodiment of truth. So when we're, Uh, saying things such as, this is not right. When we say things like, this is not right, or you're doing it wrong, this insinuates that we know what right is. This insinuates that we are familiar with the plumb line or the standard or the measurement of truth, which is Jesus Christ. Infanticide, as an example. Infanticide is the killing of babies. That is wrong. And in Human history, certain cultures have practiced infanticide, and again, it is wrong. So, for us to say it is wrong, that means that we presume to know what right is. I hope that makes sense. So, Jesus is the embodiment of what rightness is. He is the truth. He is the measuring stick by which we compare the world's actions to. He is the plumb line, the standard. So when we say the truth, we as Christians, we have the truth. It's not based on my personal biases. It's not based on my degrees that I've obtained from college. It's not based on um, how, how influential you are. It's not based on how charismatic a person is. Truth is truth, whether you have evidence to support it or not. Truth has no expiration date. Truth comes out of the nature of God. Truth is always going to be here. It is eternal because truth came out of the nature of God. So when we read the Bible, we receive principles from the Bible, which are true. And because those things are true, it doesn't change. It's eternal. It comes out of the nature of God. And so we must live up to the truth. And just because someone you admire says something different than what the Bible is saying, doesn't mean the Bible is going, uh, the content or the principle of the Bible is going to change just for our own personal preferences. So, S stand for studious, T for truth, and then today's message dealing with the uniqueness of Jesus. What makes him so unique? So that you in the acronym student is unique. The U stand for unique. Jesus is wholly other. Jesus is different than any other so-called religious leader that you may think of. And I always argue this point. If John is correct, when he talks about the logos, uh, creating everything, and that there wasn't anything that has been made in this world, that the Lagos did not create. Jesus, along with the Father, along with the Spirit, they were all there when everything was created. Jesus is Alpha and Omega. He's eternal. He has no starting point. The Holy Spirit is eternal. Uh, He's eternal. He has no starting point. He has no end point. So the Father did not create the Lagos. The Lagos always existed with the Father. Now you may be asking yourself, how is that possible? How, how is it that we have three gods, uh, 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 three persons called God, and not have three gods? The Bible is clear. This is a mystery. This question falls under a mystery. A mystery is knowledge that only belongs to God. Again, a mystery. A mystery. It's knowledge that only belongs to God. We will never get the answer to it on this side of heaven. But God knows, and some things we just have to throw up our hands and say, "Lord, we'll let you have that knowledge." But trust me, there's plenty of information in the Bible that we can ascertain, and and hopefully, as we read and study, becomes intelligible for us. So, uh, there's enough to concentrate on without worrying about mysteries. But here's the thing. Even though mystery is knowledge that belong to God alone, there are some things we can say about mysteries because the Bible presents it. We have one God who's revealed himself in three persons. They're both distinct the Meaning that the father is not the son, the son is not the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not the son, the Holy Spirit is not the father. So they are distinct. We know there's uh, God the father. There's God the son, there's God the Holy Spirit. All three are one. Unlike what some other uh, religious organizations say about the Christian doctrine of the Trinity, we're not promoting three gods, three separate gods. We're promoting one god who's revealed himself in three persons. That's the mystery of the Trinity. It's also the doctrine of the Trinity. So we must correct them. We don't believe in three separate gods. That's polytheism. We believe in one God who's revealed himself in three persons, God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy spirit. It is a mystery, but this is what the Bible tells us about the triune nature of the Godhead. So again, Jesus is unique. He's unique in his ontology, meaning his beingness. When we use that term ontology, O-N-T-O-L-O-G-Y, we're talking about his beingness, his nature. We have uh, divine nature, which is God. We have human nature, which is us. We have animalistic nature, which are the animals. Then we have vegetative nature, which are the plants and uh, things that we find in nature. So all of these uh, beings are classified in their own groupings. God is God all by himself. There's no one like him. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, no one like him. We just know that within the Godhead, there are distinctions. There's personhood. And Jesus Christ belongs in the Godhead. So ontologically, Jesus is God. He's not less than the Father. He's not greater than the Holy Spirit. They're all co-equal. Then Jesus, he's unique in the sense that only he was qualified to die for the sins of humanity. He's a lamb without blemish. Jesus is the only one uh, who can die for us. He's the only one who can give us the propitiation for our sins. He's the only one who is without fault that could die on the cross for our sins. He's the only one that can give God the Father the type of offering he deserves in order for our sins to be cast from the east uh, as well as the west. So we As believers, we must understand this concept that Jesus is greater than Muhammad. Jesus is greater than Charles Taze Russell. Jesus is greater than Joseph Smith. Jesus is greater than Mary Baker Eddy. Jesus is greater than any humanistic religious leader that ever walked on this earth. Let us take a break to recognize our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Jesus is the only God man that ever walked this earth. And he created those other religious leaders. He created them. They just misused the gifts that God gave them and created heretical doctrines. But God gave them life. God gave them wisdom. God gave them uh, thinking power. God gave them the ability to process and to uh, create and to compose. They just happen to use their will the wrong way. So, am I saying that Jesus created Muhammad? Yes, Jesus created Muhammad. He gave him life. Did Jesus create um, Charles Taze Russell? Yes, Jesus created Charles Taze Russell. He gave him life. Jesus created the Buddha. Yes, Jesus created the Buddha. He gave him life. But again, Just because we have life doesn't mean that we exercise our free will in a correct way. So Jesus is greater than any other person that ever walked this earth. He's more than a prophet. He's more than just a religious leader. He's more than just a sage. Jesus is God the son, and only God the son could die for the sins of the world. Only God the son can die. For the sins of the world. Then, if we didn't believe what he had to say, then let's look at what he was able to do. He was able to perform uh, one of his first miracles at the wedding in Cana. Turning water into wine, demonstrating that God was with him and demonstrating that he was God, the son, where he could take, we he could change the uh, properties of, of, of nature and turn it and move it the way that he wants to move it. And if he can do that to uh, the botanical nature of grapes and water, he could do that with any aspect of, of, of nature. He was able to walk on water and tell uh, the storm to be still. Jesus' miracles authenticated the messenger. It authenticated his ability to do what he needed to do in order to promote the kingdom of God agenda. His miracles authenticate who he is. His ability to heal those who were born blind from birth. His ability... To uh, uh, heal the lame and allow them to walk. There's a Greek word, who gave, H U G I E S. This Greek word, it means to heal. And numerous times in the New Testament, we find that word being used, who gaze, to demonstrate that Jesus may complete someone who had a physical ailment. And he was able, he was able to do that because he's God, he's God the Son. He didn't have to check in with anyone. Jesus uh, was God, and he didn't lose any divinity. What he did is he added on humanity, and because of that, it makes him unique. And as we talk about the uniqueness of Jesus, I think it, it helps for us to compare him to the other groups that also use the name Jesus, meaning that there are other uh, non-Christian groups who also talk about Jesus in their annals or in their religious books, but they paint a different picture of Jesus. Their view of Jesus is anti-biblical. So, we must be careful as we're out there giving away our faith that we talk about the uniqueness of Jesus from a biblical aspect and not from a worldly aspect. It's important that we know who Jesus is and who he's not according to scripture. So be careful when you're out there uh, talking about Jesus that you stand on the Jesus as depicted by the Bible and not depicted by other heretical groups. So for example, the Jehovah Witnesses claim that Jesus was created by God the Father. He was the firstborn of all creations. And, and you'll find that in Colossians 1.15 where Paul uses that term uh, firstborn. And because of that, you have some groups, you have some organizations uh, that have taken that term firstborn and misconstrued what Paul was trying to say. Paul was not saying that Jesus was first created when he says that Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. What Paul was saying is Jesus was first in rank over all creation. He wasn't even talking about the nature of Jesus. He was talking about his position. So when, G- when Paul uses that term uh, firstborn, that Greek word is prototokos. It means first in rank. If Paul wanted to say Jesus was first created, he would have chosen a different word, protokistos. But protokistos is not what Paul used. Paul used prototokos, which means first in rank, not first created. So here we are in Colossians uh, 1.15. Jehovah's Witnesses translate Colossians 115 in talking about Jesus as he being the firstborn, the first created over all creation, that God created Jesus first. Then he created other creation. But that's not true. And also, they believe that Jesus is, is Michael, the archangel. Now, angels are created by God. Again, you can only have Jesus be an angel if you believe that he was, he had a beginning, and Jesus did not have a beginning. So the Jehovah Witnesses' view of Jesus is not biblical and is incorrect. Then another group, Mormonism, they have a different view of Jesus, and they believe that Jesus is also uh, created by God the Father based on a relationship that God the Father had with multiple wives. They, they believe this, that God the Father uh, was in a relationship with his wives and out of that union, Jesus was born. And, and also because uh, God the Father could have unions with wives and produce uh, children, uh, one, one being Jesus being an offspring, then uh, subsequent children that came after him, one was Lucifer. So basically, they're saying that Jesus' brother is Lucifer. And you'll find that in many of their writings, that uh, they believe that Jesus is the spirit brother of Lucifer. Again, that is anti-Bible, and that is not true. So when people paint a different picture of Jesus, we must understand this. And as we are led by the Spirit, we have to correct them in this view. Even Jesus said, Uh, be careful. He's warning his disciples. He said, be careful. Um, There'll be those who say, uh, Jesus, Jesus, did I not prophesy in your name? Jesus, Jesus, did I not work miracles in your your name? And and essentially, he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you, O worker of iniquity. And so, just because someone uses the name Jesus, it doesn't mean we're talking about the Jesus of the Bible necessarily. So, we must make sure that when we talk about Jesus... Even though we're using the same name, Yahshua, we're using the same name, we're not always um, meaning the same thing. So we have to make sure that whoever we're talking to understand what we mean when we talk about Jesus, that they understand what the Bible is saying when we talk about Jesus, that they understand uh, what the Bible is articulating as it relates to the Jesus of the Bible. So it's very important very important that uh, we share the truth of the Bible. And even Islam has a distorted view of Jesus because they also talk about Jesus. And they'll tell you that Jesus was just uh, trying to do more good deeds than bad, and he was just a great teacher and prophet. They don't believe he's divine. They don't believe that he's God the son. They just believe that he was created by Allah and, and Allah used him as a mighty prophet, just like he did Muhammad. So, again, that's a distorted view of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was never created. He is Alpha. He is Omega. He is eternal. He's beginning and end. Jesus is not a lesser God than God the Father. Jesus is equal to God the Father. Uh, he, the Bible tells us God himself says, my glory will I share with no one. And when Jesus said that he's God and some people say, well, where does Jesus say that he's God? It's inferred. If you read John chapter two, verses 19 through 22, you, you, you'll see John's commentary that they took up stones to kill him. Why? The question is why John said they took up stones to kill him because they knew Uh, Those religious leaders that were there at that time, they knew when Jesus said before Abraham was, I am, that he was insinuating that he was God. Jesus wasn't going to lie about who he was. Jesus always inferred that he was God. And that's why they wanted to stone him in John chapter two, verses 19 through 22, because that title, I am which was used during the time of Moses when Moses uh, saw the burning bush and, and he stepped aside to uh, commune and talk to God. Uh, and, and he said, uh, who, who, who should I say sent me, Lord, when I go to Egypt? And God said, tell him, I am sent you. But it's interesting. When you go back to Exodus and you read that story, it says uh, Moses was called aside by the angel of the Lord. Now, just because you see that word angel doesn't mean contextually in this passage that it's talking about a regular angel, an angel that was created by God. No, in this context, that Hebrew word angel means messenger. So essentially, it's the messenger of Yahweh. So when he says the angel of the Lord... It it should be interpreted in in the Hebrew tongue, the messenger of Yahweh. So as the messenger of Yahweh, that's Jesus. That's Jesus calling Moses aside during the burning bush. And so when we see him in John chapter 2, verses 19 through 22, he's basically confessing that it was he that called Moses to the side. It was he that preceded Abraham because he's eternal. And this is why the religious leaders took offense, because they knew. No one else had ever used that title. No one else should ever use that title. But God, when God told Moses, tell Pharaoh, uh, that I am sent you, and then Jesus said, Before Abraham was, I am there. He was taking that title that belongs to God that no one else should utter, and that's why the Jews were so upset with Jesus in John chapter 2 because, according to John, no mistaken, uh, he John was not mistaken about Jesus' intent, they knew that Jesus was making himself equal with the Father, and that's the whole point, Jesus. It's a unique God. Jesus is not just a baby born in Bethlehem. Jesus is not just a good prophet or a good sage or, or teacher. Jesus is God, the son, and he desires to have communion with us. This is why he came down and died on a cross. This is why he came down and selflessly allowed himself to be crucified. This is the story we need to tell to so as Christians. We have to go out and tell it. We have to give away our faith. But while we're giving away our faith, we must let people know how unique our Savior is. When he comes back, he's not coming back meek and mild. He's coming back with judgment. This is why you and I have to share the gospel with such urgency from a loving perspective. Well, I hope this episode has been a blessing to you. We encourage you to be studious. We encourage you to share the truth of the gospel and then tell others how unique our Savior is. He is none other. He's like none other. He is wholly other. And this is why we love him, because only he could die for our sins. Again, we pray that this episode has been a blessing to you. We ask that you continue to lift us up in prayer as Sound Reason the Ministries endeavor to train and equip more Christians. Remember to do for the truth what so many people do for a lie. And please go on our website and donate. And by the way, we want to hear from you. So go on our website and email us. God bless.
0: Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister, Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time, and remember, Titus 1-9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy messages has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org.
1: And as always, we would like to thank our friends at Life Audio for their partnership with us on this broadcast. If you go to LifeAudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith centers.
2: Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. At the Story Behind podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. And even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hardworking pilot get emotional before his flight. To start listening to the story behind podcast, visit lifeaudio.com.